Man, if I didn't know better, I think some of God's people showed up today. Man, hey, God is good all the time and all the time. Man, great. Thanks so much, Wesley, praise team. Thank you guys for uh, helping to um, center our thoughts this morning and for us to be able to uh, lift up some praise and encouragement uh, to those who are around us. Man, great. Man, great to see you guys. Thanks so much for coming and, and being a part. Uh, if you're not sitting over here on this side, I'm sorry. You're missing out on a great time, right? This is, this is the side that, um, that, that gets the prize. Everybody gets Play-Doh today. On this side, if you look under your seat, go ahead and look under. Oh, come on. You really think there's Play-Doh? I mean, this isn't. <laughs> Miss Joy, this isn't Oprah, right? <laughs> She's like, oh, I got something. It's great. <laughs> Hey, we're so glad to um, have you here. Uh, everybody is, is always in a good mood on this particular Sunday. Everything has kind of come back around. Everything is in its order. Everything is as it should be. College football started yesterday, right? And let's give it up for Vandy. Come on, can we? I mean, Vandy never gets any love. It's always Tennessee or Georgia or Alabama, right? I mean, that, that's always people that we hear talking about. Man, Bandy, there's a reason this is, these are not the smart guys. They started their season in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we'll go. Yeah, we'll go play out there. Sure, why not? Not only did they go, they put up 63 points. When was the last time Bandy had 63 points? I mean, they've seen this score before, right? But it was the other side. So, hey, all of you Vandy people, congratulations. Enjoy it. This is your weekend. I mean, I mean, live it up. Live it up. I know um, uh, Brody came in with his Vandy shirt on today. I mean, he's feeling it. It, it. It's good. It's good to be a Commodore. Good to be a Commodore. So, man, it's fun stuff. Hey, we're wrapping up a series this morning. If you have not been with us, if you haven't been here for um, August, we've been going through this series that's called Squeezed. And it's all about how how that as believers in God, we, we find ourselves living with tension. We live with tension within a culture that surrounds us and a culture that does not necessarily understand us. And so as Christians, we face a real dilemma. In the midst of a secular society, when more and more people are rejecting everything that we believe and all the different things that we hold to be true, well, how do we walk closely with God? How do we walk closely with God without taking on the identity and the shape of our culture? And so what we've done all month, we've kind of used this, this Play-Doh analogy here, and, and we've talked about how that it just seems like each day we, we wake up and we, and we crawl out of bed, and, and then we start to, to go through life, and, and we start being molded by the culture that's, that's around us. Some of us have a harder time getting out of bed than others and need a little help, need that coffee in the morning, right? But the society that we're in molds us and it begins to squeeze us into its form and, and we oftentimes don't know that it's even happening. You see, there's a new podcast that comes out, and we start to listen to it, and we're like, man, that makes a lot of sense, and I enjoy that. And we don't realize oftentimes how society is is sending us in a certain direction. 
There's a cool TikTok video that we watch, and man, we want to imitate it. We don't realize how we're being squeezed into the mold of the culture. A must-read book comes out, and we run and, and pick it up quickly. A, a poignant movie, and we talk about it all the time on social media. And then there is just this continual pull from one thing after another where it just seems like after we get in a certain mold and after we start to get comfortable and after we begin to enjoy life as we kind of understand it, well then something else comes along and something else begins to pull at us and it's the latest fad, it's the latest belief, it's the next talking point, it's the newest hashtag and we begin to get shaped all over again and we just continually we're squeezed into this mold that culture says this is what you should look like and this is who you should be and we don't really have a shape of our own identity we just have the shape of what's forced on us and resistance just appears to be futile and so because we want to be accepted, and man, we want to be liked, and all of us, we, we want to have people who, who want to hang out with us, and we, and we want to have friends, and we want to be able to be invited to the best parties, and we want to be able to be someone that is always in the know. And so we end up giving in to the pressure to reorient our lives around culturally accepted standards and thoughts of behavior, even if those accepted standards don't line up with the character of God. So have you found yourself ever thinking any of the following? In order to find myself, all I need to do is look within. We hear that a lot these days. All you got to do is just look within to become the best you that, that you can be. It all starts just by looking on the inside and letting that inner you, letting it out. Maybe you found yourself saying something like, I shouldn't criticize someone else's choices. I mean, it's their choices and not my choices, and I do my thing, they do their thing, and I have my beliefs and my truth, and they have their beliefs and their truth, and no reason for me to kind of project what I think should, should be done or, or said on, onto them. Maybe you found yourself thinking, you know, to be fulfilled in life, I just need to pursue the things I desire the most. That, that, is, that is just awesome. I mean, if we could just go and just do whatever it is that we desired the most. I mean, if you could do anything other than what it is that you currently do. If you could have any job, if you could be in any place except for school, if, if you could have any other pursuit in life, what would it be? You just go and do it. Enjoy it because that's why, that's why you're here. That's what we're told. Maybe you've been thinking that to enjoy yourself is the highest goal of life. Enjoying myself and just being able to, again, be free with whatever it is that I want to do. That is what brings life. Maybe you've thought, I can believe whatever I want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. As long as I just keep it all to myself and do my own thing, I can just, man, I can just go and I can just enjoy. And, man, society is just squeezing us and, it just, and we don't even realize it and we're just soft and malleable. Have you ever thought that any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is fine? It doesn't matter what people do. It's their body. Not hurting me. Go and do what you want to. Guys, we are being squeezed, and it's this idolatry of self-fulfillment. And it is today's new cultural identity and, and mold. And we feel that tension. 
They feel that pull about, well, do, do, I, do I go in the direction of God's character or do I go in the direction that society says, well, this is where everybody's going and if I don't go and if I'm not like that, then I'm just going to be left behind. It's why the Apostle Paul told Christians, be careful. He says, be very careful how you are living, not as unwise, but as wise. He says, because the days are evil. Therefore, in verse 17, he says, don't you be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what God wants for you. Understand what his purpose is for you. And understand that if you're not careful, that if we don't focus in each and every day, laser focus, we're going to suffer the harmful effects of living in a culture that does not recognize or care about the God that we have come here today saying, magnify the Lord with me. And the culture doesn't get it, guys. Our, our society does not all fall in line and worship at the altar of Jehovah God. Our society does not believe in the ancient scriptures as we do. And so culture would love just to squeeze the understanding from you that God made you for a purpose and that God has, God has a purpose for your life. They would love for you, culture would just love for you just to think that it's all about you and whatever it is that you want to do. But we've learned over the last few weeks that we've been created for a purpose and, and that is to glorify God through being a blessing to others and we are his masterpiece and, and we have the choice as to what our lives are going to look like. And so a great example of this is witnessing the life of a young man named Daniel who when he was around 16 years old was transported along with thousands of other Jews to be slaves in Babylon. And so Daniel found himself in a foreign culture that did not recognize his faith, did not recognize his God. And it was the expectation that Daniel and his friends, they were going to be squeezed, they were going to be morphed, they were going to be transformed into the culture of the time, into the thoughts and practices of the Babylonians, even if those thoughts and practices were inconsistent with his faith. But Daniel and his friends, well, they decided, you know what? We're going to break the mold. He says, because he decided, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be defiled. I'm going to resolve not to defile myself with this culture, with this society. Because when given the choice between being squeezed into a mold, squeezed into a mold of a culture that says, look, these are the thoughts and practices you are supposed to have, even though they're inconsistent with how you grew up, even though they're inconsistent with your, your history and your tradition, and even though they're inconsistent with your faith, this is how you should be. And Daniel and his friends resolved to break the mold. And so last week we said that there will come a moment, that there will come a moment in the life of all of us where we can no longer play the game. We can no longer just kind of weave in and out of our culture and just kind of hide off in the corner and keep our mouth shut and, and really not bring a lot of attention to ourselves. There comes a moment when you can no longer straddle the fence. And in that moment, you have to choose who or what it is that you are going to worship. And for Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the moment came when the heralds shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the musical instruments, bow down to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown in a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So I've got to ask you, what would you have done 
What would you have done if you were in that situation? What do you think? You say, well, I wouldn't have bowed. I wouldn't have done that. I might have bent over and started to adjust my sandals, but I wouldn't have bowed. I mean, I mean everybody would have known that I was, I was not bowing, but, man, those sandals, sometimes they're hard. I mean, those buckles, I mean, they're just hard to work with, and, and you have to stay down there a good while to make sure you get a good fit. And you just got to work with them a little bit, but, but man, I wouldn't have bowed. Mm-mm. I would have been standing up, and I would have been standing up tall. We like to think that we would have just stood tall, hand in hand, with friends and family singing, Stand up, stand up for Jehovah. Yeah, right. Sure. We like to say that. Is that really what we would do? I mean, because let's just be honest, guys. You threaten to cancel us right here today in our own culture. You threaten to unfriend us. And we'll just jettison biblical truth in order to keep relationship. Studies show that, 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 that we as a society, that we will jettison truths that we hold if keeping those truths means that we're going to end up losing a relationship. So we'll just push those truths to the side. All you have to do is threaten to, to no longer talk to me. I can't be your friend. I can't be in your, your group. I can't be accepted. I can't be part of your circle. Threaten to leave us out. Threaten to leave us out or, or share on social media how we are judgmental or say something about how you might be closed-minded or backwards. And, and we'll go out of our way just to show you how open-minded we are. We're not closed-minded. Man, we're open. And, and man, we... And, oh, but we wouldn't bow, right? You threaten to leave us out of a group and we fall to the ground and bow at the statue of impurity. Holiness is a thing of the past. We'll use the vilest vocabulary just so we can sit at the cool table at the lunchroom. So you really think that you would have stood up when you were faced with a, a flaming furnace? You, you, we don't have to worry about our lives being taken away. We don't, we don't have to worry about being thrown in prison or anything because of the beliefs that that we hold because that we're here today and in praising God but all you got to do is threaten to take away a friendship get rid of a relationship make things a little bit tough on us in the workplace make us feel a little bit uncomfortable and we're like whatever it is that you want whatever it is so do you really think that if threatened with a blazing furnace you would have stayed standing a word got back to King Nebuchadnezzar that there were some Jewish teenagers for some crazy reason that refused to bow down and worship his golden statue. And he couldn't believe that, that it was true. And there was no way in his mind that anybody would go against his decree and his authority. So he called these band of brothers together. Brought, they were brought before the king. And they were given one more chance. Maybe they didn't hear the music. Maybe, maybe they didn't hear the music. And maybe they were just too busy keeping things in the empire going. Surely if given another chance they would comply. And I don't know, maybe that's what your friends think about you. Maybe that's what the people at work say about you. You know, surely if we invite her one more time, she'll say yes and she'll go with us. Surely if we give him another opportunity. Just one more date. I think you just give me one more date, I think, I think things are going to happen. Guys, understand this. 
the culture that you live and work in will always give you one more chance to alter your beliefs, adjust your priorities, and abandon your upbringing. And if you don't, there will be consequences. Let's just be truthful about it. If you don't get in line with the direction that culture says this is what you should do and what you should believe and how you should order all of your priorities, there will be consequences. Verse 16 there in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. I said last week, this is one of those woohoo moments. I mean, this is where you see some of God's people standing up and saying, I'm on God's team. I've made my decision. I know what it is that I'm going to be about. But there's an important principle that we did not touch on last week that I believe is vital for us to understand. Outcomes are not your responsibility. Did you get that? Outcomes are not your responsibility. Your responsibility... According to Charles Stanley, he says this a lot. Your responsibility is to obey God and leave all the consequences to him. That's your responsibility. It's mine. And we say, well, but what if we end up in the furnace? And what if he breaks up with me? And what if I don't get the job? And what if she never talks to me again? Guys, look, all those things could happen and worse. And we can't gloss over that. If you choose to break out of culture's mode, if you choose to put God and his purposes and his plans and God's principles first in your life, there will be consequences. There's a reason when Jesus looked out at his disciples, he told them to count the cost and to consider what it was that they were going to be doing. There are going to be consequences. But your responsibility is to obey God and to leave all the consequences to him. Our God is able, they said, and he will save us, or he can. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship the gods of your culture. We see this principle lived out among the very first followers of Jesus. Peter and John were once arrested for teaching people that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. You see, their culture had tried to squeeze out all conversations about Jesus. And the next day, they were brought before the Jewish ruling court, the Sanhedrin, and, and Peter, because it's what preachers do when you give them an opportunity, he launched into a sermon. He said, well, let me tell you about Jesus. And all of this really bothered the leaders who were listening, but they had a bigger, bigger problem. It says in Acts chapter 4 that the members of the council were amazed, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were just ordinary men and they didn't have any kind of scriptural training. So they commanded that Peter and John never speak again in the name of Jesus. And Peter looks at them, and guys, this was his moment. This was his moment. This was the time when he had to decide, who is it that I'm going to worship? Who is it that I'm going to say my allegiance goes to? And he says, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling you about everything that we have seen and heard. But Peter, what you doing, man? I mean, don't, don't you know that they can put you back in the cell? 
Don't you know that potentially they could take your life? I must obey God and leave the consequences to him. But the leaders were afraid, afraid of what the people might do if they, if they themselves did something else to Peter and John, so they released them. And Peter and John, once released, they take off through the city streets and they make their way back to Mary and James and Bartholomew and the other disciples, and they tell them everything that had happened. But I want you to focus on something in this story right here. You see, after their culture tried to squeeze them into its mold, they hurried to be with, it says, other believers. It says as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to other believers. Literally, it says they went to find their own people. It was like, hey, where are my peeps? Where are the people that believe like I do? Where are the people that, that understand who God is? And where are the people who have my soul's best interest at heart? Where are the people that will love me? Where are the people that will sacrifice for me? Where are the people that will give on for me? Where are the people of God? They said, that's where we're going. That's where we're going to go. They hurried to be with other believers. They need to share with the others. They needed to be there, not, not just because so that they could hide or run away. No, see, in the midst of a culture that would like to squeeze God from your life, you need to make spending time with other believers a priority. Guys, this time that we are together each week should be non-negotiable for you and your family. It should be non-negotiable. And for those of you who are in college, those of you in college and maybe you're a young adult and you're just getting things started with your life and you get up on Sunday mornings and you have to decide, am I going to go to worship or not? That's a decision that, that's a decision that I don't have to make anymore because I made that choice over 30 years ago. And because I made that choice over 30 years ago, I don't have to decide anymore. And guys, you need to be spending time with other believers because you live and you work and you play in a culture that is trying to squeeze the essence of God out of your life. And you need to surround yourselves with others who have your beliefs and who can lift you up, not so you can retreat and hide from a moral culture, but that so you can prepare to go and stand up against it. We don't come in here so that we can hide ourselves away from the world. We come in here so that we can prepare ourselves to go be light in the world. You need to make spending time with other believers a priority where it's non-negotiable for you and for your family. When Peter and James, when they met up with the other believers, it says they prayed. It says they came together and they prayed, and I want you to notice what they prayed. This is right after they're released, right, right after they have been in prison, right after they've been told, don't talk about Jesus anymore. They pray and say, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Now, guys, if this was us, we would pray for God's protection, wouldn't we? Just be honest. Lord, give your protection to your people. Give us a hedge of protection. Wrap it around us, Lord. Give us a hedge of protection. Put bubble wrap around us, Lord. Put bubble wrap around us and watch over our children and watch over our marriages. And Father, watch over our church houses. And Father, watch over and watch over and protect. Notice what they prayed. They didn't ask for protection. They asked for boldness. So that they could continue preaching the word of God. 
And they said, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of the holy servant, Jesus. He said, Lord, we want you to do something through us. Oftentimes, we have a prayer that says, Lord, I want you to do something to us. Right? They're saying, Lord, do something through us. Because we're going to leave this place, and we're going to leave these people, and we're going to go out among a culture that does not always recognize you, and we need boldness, but we also need you to work mightily in our presence. And we read this, and we think, boldness? They're asking for boldness? Isn't that what got him in trouble in the first place, because Peter wouldn't shut his mouth? All he had to do was just go and stand up there, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus? Okay, all right, I won't. I'll just go off to the next place. I'll turn down my, my music. I won't let anybody know what it is I'm listening to. I'll put my Bible in my desk, and I won't let anybody know, and I won't talk about the podcast, and, and I won't tell people what I do on the weekends and where I go and how I'm part of this small group, and I'll keep all that to myself because people don't have to know because it's just my thing. I got it. Now, Peter, it's what, boldness, what got him thrown in jail. I think they had boldness covered. So let me just ask, guys, when was the last time you prayed to be bold? When was the last time you prayed for boldness? Lord, make me bold so that I can demonstrate the love of Jesus to others, so that I can serve those in need and share the good news of the gospel without embracing the identity and immorality that dominates our culture. Notice I didn't say, Lord, let me pray for boldness so I can go put culture in its place. Lord, I'm praying for boldness so that I can go and love this culture and show people Jesus. Show people an alternative to all of this thinking and everything that's being squeezed into our society. After this prayer, it says, the meeting place shook. Now, I thought that was going to happen earlier when we were singing. Man, that was good. And that, that, that was some good stuff. Right? And we're going to sing a song here in just a few minutes called Waymaker. Man, that's, that's a good one. And, uh, I mean, there, there's some shaking potentially that can go on. We'll see. It says, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, if you are a follower of Jesus and a believer in him, you are also filled with that same spirit. You understand that? You, you don't need to be asking and say, Lord, I want you to fill me with the spirit. It's already in you. But we're praying, Lord, make me bold so that the Spirit of God will move me there in the culture and show who you are among the people. It says the apostles then tested, testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessings was upon them all. Guys, can you imagine what would happen if each individual in this room would just add boldness to their prayers? What, what, if, what if you did this? Just for a week. I'm not even going to ask you to do it for a month. I'm just going to say from now until the next time that we're together, seven days, would every single day you pray and ask God to grant boldness in your life so that you might be able to live out the gospel of Jesus in the culture that we're a part of? God, would you give me boldness with my friends? Would you give me boldness so that I can see opportunities? Will you give me boldness at work and at school and at, and at home? And Lord, will you stretch out your hand and do something through me in my sphere of influence so that a culture that has written you off might give you another look. It might give you a second chance. 
I'll tell you what will happen. Guys, I, I believe this. If we pray like this, then we will see opportunities to take advantage of. There will be moments. That's how God made us. God designed us to see the things that we go out looking for. It's just human nature. And when you begin to pray, God, make me bold, and God, give me opportunities, and God, stretch out your hand, you're going to see things that you've never seen before. And speaking of things you've never seen before, King Nebuchadnezzar was furious when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship. And so he did. He had him thrown into the furnace because the consequences come when you stand up against cultural mandates. But when they were in the fire, it says that the king noticed something amazing. Look, he shouted. I see four men unbound and walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. He had no idea what he was looking at, but he knew that he put three men in the fire, and now that he was looking there, there were four. And so the king had the three friends removed from the fire, and to everyone's amazement, they were unharmed. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because he sent his angel to rescue his servant the servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Guys, you're not being asked to give, your, give up your life, literally. But it could be that God is asking you to give up a relationship that is impure. That God is asking you to step away from a group that is, that is squeezing you into their mold and trying to squeeze the presence of God out of you. You might not be thrown in, in prison like those early disciples, but, but you can be excluded from a lot of things, and, and there, can be, there can be this pressure that you feel in your own home sometimes. It can happen at school. It can happen at, at work. It can happen at, at the gym when individuals realize, you know what, I'm just going to serve God. I'm just going to serve God. You choose what you're going to do, but I'm going to serve God. So a few final takeaways as we finish up this morning. The book of Daniel chronicles a difficult season for the Israelites. And thousands of Jews were having to adapt to a life in a foreign country. They were being ruled over and surrounded by individuals who did not share their history. They did not share their values, their traditions, their sacred texts. did not share their language, did not share the worship of their God. And so Daniel and his friends are presented as protagonists in a larger story of God's faithfulness to an exiled people. And their stories of faithful remembrance are reminders to the Israelite community as a whole that God's rescue is coming. And just because they are currently in a hostile environment doesn't mean that they always will be in that environment. And even though they have not been faithful to God in the past, does not mean that they cannot be faithful to him in the future when that next moment comes. See, the stories in Daniel, and there's so many to unpack, we just don't have enough time. I've just focused in on just a couple. Those stories are very poignant to the season that we currently find ourselves in. I mean, I don't think I, I'm saying anything that's crazy for you when I say that God's people live in a world that more and more doesn't share our history or our values or our traditions or our sacred text or our religious language or our worship practices or our God. And just like with Daniel, there are attempts to change our identity and, and get us to bow down to cheap, God-like substitutes. But hear this. 
everybody is not on the ground. Everybody's not bowing down. Look around the room. And we've got young adults, and we've got teenagers, and we've got empty nesters, and we've got grandmas and grandpas. Everybody is not on the ground. You're not alone. You're not alone. And, and so as you look and you realize that, though figuratively we, we may be in the fire facing very real consequences for, for our own stubborn faithfulness to God, ultimately the consequences of our trust will not destroy us. And guys, I believe it. This is our moment. But here, understand, we do not get to choose our missional context. I'm sure that there are some among us who would really prefer to trust God during a season when culture wanted to cooperate. And I've heard people talk about it before. Oh, if we could just go back to... Because that was when... And things were so much... Guys, you don't get to choose your missional context. God has looked at you and said, I need you now. I don't need you in 1980. I don't need you in 75 or 65 or 50. I need you right now in 2022. And I'm sure that it would be great. It'd be great if the society would just come right along beside us and say, I'm going to uphold your values and I'm going to teach what you teach and, and believe what you believe. And perhaps there will be future seasons where perhaps things might be a little bit easier, but we don't get to choose. But what we do get to choose is whether or not we will stand boldly for God in the midst of exile. If we do, our obedience will bring consequences, but our obedience will also bring influence. Many will see the trust by which we live our lives, and some who see that trust will choose to worship the God that we trust. They will realize we're not walking through the fire by ourselves. We're not going through this difficult time alone. We're not dealing with this period of grief or, or doubt by ourselves. There are others who are with us, and there is a God who is supporting us. So during this time, we can become angry, and we can become combative, and, and we can lash out at society that surrounds us. And we can give in to get along. Or like Daniel and the dudes that dared to be different, I like that. You and I can become catalysts for redemptive change in our time. We don't have to compromise our beliefs or actively participate in anything goes mindset. Nor do we have to sacrifice respectful relationships with others by judging and condemning them. Guys, don't expect non-Christian people to act like Christian people. And we can be people of influence when we know our goal is not to make a point, but to make a difference. And to make a change in this world. We can be a people who stand out because of the way we relate to others. Especially those who are different from us. And we can be a people who serve those in need with a willing spirit of, of generosity. And we can be a people who reflect the loving kindness of a good God. And we can be a people who stand firm and at the same time love well. Plato doesn't have a choice. Plato doesn't have a choice as to the mold that it will take. But you do. And you do. And guys, you do. You have a choice. So don't conform to the patterns of this world. And don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. 
And if you're going to bow down, bow down before Jesus Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Father, it's difficult. It's difficult oftentimes to know the right thing to do and the right thing to say. And the, it's difficult to know the, the person that we need to be when we live within a culture that doesn't, that doesn't hold to the truths that we hold to. And for some of us, we kind of got used to, to being a part of, of a society that, that, that at least tolerated the things that we believed in. And maybe we thought that's how it was always supposed to be. But Father, we need boldness now. We need boldness so that we will not just go down outside these walls and bow down at any false god that comes around. That we will be wise in the way that we live. That we will redeem the time. That we will understand that there are consequences to the choices that we make. Father, we need boldness in our message. And we need, we need boldness in our trust. And, and Father, we need boldness just in our prayers. But, but we, have, we have some teenagers who are here this morning. Father, they need boldness when they go back to school this week to be, able to, to be able to be a light in the culture that they're a part of. And Father, we have some, some college students who, if I'm not only here, but some of our own children who, who need boldness just to at times just turn and to walk away and, and to close the door. And, and Father, perhaps to run to the presence of other believers and, and say, I, I, need, I need your strength and I need your encouragement. Father, we need, we need boldness for those who are, who are older and more mature, who have just kind of gotten to be used to just kind of going through the motions and playing the game. But when that moment comes, we oftentimes just get down and, and work on our sandals because we don't want anyone to know that we truly do live for you. Father, as a church, may we be bold in the way that we, in the way that we go forward. And may that boldness encourage us to be more engaged in the lives of the people of this culture. Not to pull back and, and not to shout at and yell at and demand, but Father, to engage the people of this culture in a way that shows love, in a way that shows grace, in a way that shows hospitality and mercy. Also that we can have influence. And also you can make a difference. Father, this is our missional context. And you have placed us right here and right now for this time. Father, may we not bow down to anyone else but you. May Jesus be our Lord. And Father, may the Spirit be our guide. And may we go forth as your children, boldly proclaiming that you are our God and Father. I pray you make a way in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, I appreciate your kindness today. I appreciate your kindness of listening to the things that we share together. And, and for some of you, maybe the things that we shared you kind of hit home a little bit too close. And you know, maybe you'd like to talk to somebody about that privately. We have a prayer room that's in our lobby. We invite you to go. One of our elders, one of our the spiritual leaders, one of our shepherds of our church here would be glad to um, spend some time with you. Just listen to what's going on in your life. Listen to what choices you're making. Listen to concerns that you have. Or I don't know, maybe you're someone here who says, you know what? 
if I'm ever going to stand up for God, if I'm ever going to stand out for the mission of God, this is going to be the easiest place to do it because I'm surrounded by my people. And maybe you say, you know what, I just need to come before this body to show myself that I can do it. And I just need to come before this body and just let everybody know I am standing up for God. Why don't you do that? We're going to sing Waymaker, and maybe you just want to walk up to the front. You don't have to talk to anybody about anything. Maybe you just like to declare to yourself and to others, I am going to worship Jehovah God. I'm going to put God first in my life. I'm going to put his principles, and I'm going to put his design on my life. That's going to be who I am. Maybe you need to be baptized into Christ this morning because of your belief that Jesus is the Son of God. That's how you need to start with your boldness to boldly declare that he is Savior of your life. We'd love to celebrate that with you. Whatever your need might be, we encourage you to have boldness and to step forward as together we stand and sing.